0: scripture reading comes from John 13, 1-17 today. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, Not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The word of God.
1: So as I mentioned at the beginning of the service, we are in this sermon series called Bless, and it's this intentional look to, to see how do we share our story uh, with others around us. We've been praying for them. We've been uh, trying to, to recognize who is God calling us towards in our own lives, who are these loved ones of ours, or, or maybe even just neighbors, people we know that, that we know are far from Jesus, and, and it just kind of breaks our heart, uh, and we would love for, for them to be closer to Him, and, and as Christians, I think that's a holy calling, that, that is... Uh, That's not random. That's intentional. God puts people on our hearts. And and the end result of this series, as I mentioned in the beginning, the B stands for begin with prayer, and then then we listened with care and ate together. And uh, Today we're going to talk about serving with love. But but the whole point of all of this is to get to the last S, which is share your story. Share who Jesus is. Share what he has done in your life. Not, uh, Not cram your story down someone's throat. Right? But, but share it, and, and be willing to, and be willing to open up. And, and when we did the Begin With Prayer uh, sermon, uh, we had prayer cards that were in the bulletin, and, and I had you write down names of people you wanted to be praying for, and there was a spot for five names, and, and most of them we got had eight to ten names on them. And, and I didn't scour through and, and look at who exactly people wrote down and try to figure out your handwriting, uh, or anything, but but I did count the names, and they're in the box uh, over there on the side table, and there's 448 names in that box, 448 people that, that I believe God has put on our heart. So this whole series, I just want to remind you that as we get to each of these letters, and we'll talk about serving with love today, this is not some theoretical thing, this is not... Uh, some good intellectual practice that we kind of then sign off on and we say, yeah, I think the pastor was right. We should serve other people. Okay, moving on. Um, th- these are, there's 448 people that God has called us to. Um, and and our our role is to figure out how to do that with God, how to do that alongside God, not, not to force our way in, but how to get to this point of sharing our story uh, with others and uh and it's a beautiful thing, but but as I mentioned, each each ladder stands for something, and we're on the first S today. We are at serve with love. Now imagine, if you will, a ladder, um, and and I noticed somebody must have changed light bulbs in here. Thank you, whoever that was. I don't know, <laughs> and I'm sure there was a tall ladder involved, right? And but imagine, if you will, this ladder, and and at the bottom uh, of the ladder, uh, perhaps. Perhaps the ladder for you is, is a ladder of work. And at the bottom, there's a sign that says, Climb this ladder and you will find significance. Climb this ladder and you will find out who you are. Climb this ladder and you will find out what you are worth, what you're capable of, how, mu- how much you can achieve. And many of us in life, we're, we're all, I think, guilty of it. We, we've approached a similar ladder and we've decided, I'm going to work hard. And, and I might pay the price, there, there might be uh, things that slip as I do but I'm going to climb this ladder. And rung by rung, we continue to climb, and we think that the higher we get, that we're actually achieving something. We think that the higher we get, that we're, we're getting closer to uh, gaining significance, gaining some kind of accomplishment. Uh, and, and it's like the whole point of the whole thing is just to climb the ladder. But, but I know many of you have been there where you get pretty high, and it looks so innocent. From the ground, right? But you get pretty high and and you look down and you realize that there's a trail of strained relationships underneath you. You realize that that there's many rungs that are filled with regrets, that there's many that are filled with just too many compromises. Or maybe, maybe work isn't your ladder, maybe you have a different one, maybe your ladder is is leisure, is is uh Pastime, you know, activities, doing, doing fun things. And at the bottom you see a sign that says, you deserve it. Go first. A- a- accomplish whatever it is. If, if it's too tough at home, if it's too tough at work, just start climbing this ladder. Just start climbing and you and you start to climb. And you go golf, you go, uh, golf. <laughs> I'll bring up golf later. Uh, you you go rung by rung and you start to realize that that this ladder isn't maybe all it's uh all it said it was. And and as you climb, you think, well, at least, at least in my busyness, at least I have the golf course. At least in my my busyness, all this stuff going on, at least I have the 49ers. At least in my busyness, I have these beautiful hiking trails. I have uh I can run on, I can hike on, I can enjoy. But as you climb, you look down and you realize you might just know more about your newest set of golf clubs than you do your kids. And you realize you might just know more about this this new mountain bike that you've been desiring to have. You might just know more about what it takes to to run it well and to take care of it than you do how to take care of your spouse. And as you get higher, you realize that you might just know more about your fantasy football team than you do your friends and your relatives. And again, you look down and you see this trail of of wasted relationships, this trail of regrets. But most of us in life, it's like we're told that we're supposed to climb, that that's what we're supposed to, that, that's how we achieve. We get higher and higher and higher, and we're, and we're searching for meaning, and we're searching for significance, and we're searching for the good life. And and when you find it, when you get there, most of us realize it's not as good as what we drink, right? You, you climb, and you climb, and you climb, and you say, once I get to that rung, then... I don't know, maybe this will hit too close to home, but but then I'll have like the retirement home in the mountains, right? I don't know what rung that is, but it's there, right? And you and you want it and it's good and you and you climb and you get there, but then it's not there's still a hole. Right? There's still a hole inside that that something is missing. Now the good news is when I look at scripture. I don't see our value being defined by where we are in the ladder. That's the good news. The, ba- the bad news is it's kind of hard to rewire our brains a little bit on, on how we figure this out. Because if our greatness isn't defined by the climb, then, then what's it defined by? How, how do we uh, connect with others? What What does it mean to live in this world if it's not defined by getting higher and higher up the ladder? And yet... As Christians, we we follow a Jesus, right? We follow a Jesus that that was so great. He was on his heavenly throne, and yet he descended, right? He came down. He modeled his greatness by by descending and, and taking on human form. He went from the highest of highs, and he came down, and he loved, and he served the last and the least. In our scripture reading today, it takes us to a room, and in that room we find Jesus and we find his disciples. And here Jesus shows us just an image of what it looks like to serve others. I'm going to call this kind of love uh, that Jesus demonstrates, I'm going to call it kneeling love. right? Jesus kneels down in front of them, and he washes their feet, and he, and and think about think about what it was like to be in that room. He goes disciple to disciple, one after another, kneeling down, washing their feet. Could you get much lower on the ladder? Right. If if the whole point of the whole thing is to achieve some kind of greatness, then what is Jesus doing? What is what is this upside down? Uh, system that he's, that he's showing us and that he invites us into, right? It's not, it's not about getting higher and higher. He's, he's going lower and lower and lower. And soon he'll be on the cross, right, again, for the last and for the least. And, and here we, we see a, a piece of Jesus' heart in the same way that we can often see each other's heart in our own heart. We can see it in his actions, Right? We can see where he's really at in his actions, and he kneels down, and he takes on this role of a servant, and he demonstrates for us this kneeling love, what it looks, to, to, what it looks like to, to come before his disciples and serve them. And he comes to Peter, and we read this in verse 6. He came to Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you should never wash my feet. And Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter, being very Peter-like, if you read (laughs) the Gospels much, replies, then Lord, don't just wash my feet, but wash my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. You are clean. As I look at this whole pack, uh, passage here, I have several uh, takeaways. And I don't always do this, but they, they kind of like rhyme this week. Or not. You know, it's one of you know, like that sermon style uh, <laughs> where it's always like, here's three things. And it's like, it's go low, and then go last, and then go, what's the bottom here? Yeah. Uh, and the first one is that kneeling love, this, this kind of love requires us to get low. It can't be done if we don't humble ourselves. It can't be done if we're all, if we're all puffed up and, and we're not willing to serve other people and keep in mind this whole thing is about is about sharing who Jesus is but but we're we're talking about how do we serve these people with love we're not talking about how to serve necessarily the easiest people in our lives right we're not talking about how to serve uh, people that in our minds so we can justify them and we can say yeah they deserve it right some some of these people again i didn't read all the names but i guarantee you there's some difficult people in that box, right? In, in our own prayer, on my list, there's some difficult people. There's some people that, that are hard to come alongside, that are hard to, to even do any of these steps with, to listen with care, to, to eat together, to spend kind of this relational time together, to, to serve, and then to think about having a conversation about Jesus. There's some hard people. But, but if we want to be Christ-like in our behavior, then it requires us to go low. Requires us to humble ourselves. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. That's not, that's not a description of a Jesus that climbed the ladder. Right? It's a it's a description of a Jesus that came down, that was, that was willing to be low, that knew that there was significance in, in these small moments, significance in these moments of care. It's a Jesus who gave his life for others. He didn't just become human, but he became a servant. So kneeling love is this mindset That no matter where you are and what you're doing, that that we don't let the rungs of the ladder define who we are. That that we're willing to get low, that we're willing to serve with humility. And as I look at it, it, it's it's humbling because because we look at it and, and it's interesting, but Jesus wasn't too good for it. Right? Jesus didn't get to the point in his in his life and his, his career, whatever it is, that, that Jesus said, now I'm too good to serve my disciples. And I think for us as the church, that's kind of convicting. Right? Jesus, Jesus never got to that point. The second point is kneeling love requires us to often go last. It's not a question of do we deserve to go first. It's that the actions of this kind of love requires us to go last. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, he, gives, he gives the same account of Jesus washing his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. Um, but we're told right before it that on their way there, the disciples started fighting with each other. It's right before this, this time. The disciples start fighting with each other, and because in their minds they think that Jesus is going to come into this earthly kingdom, right? that he's going to be kind of this conquering king, and he's, and he's about to do it. They're, they're certain that it's very soon, and, and Jesus is going to cast out the Roman oppressors and send them away and set up this new earthly kingdom with him as king, kind of a new David, a, a new uh, a king here on earth. And the disciples, they're pretty sure that they're going to be kind of his highest officials. They're going to be right there in the throne room alongside him. And they start to argue amongst themselves which one of them is going to be the greatest out of all of them. Who's going to be at the top of the ladder,
0: right? Right? <laughs>
1: That's, that's the that's the, uh, the argument. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to sit at his right hand? When, when he's on his throne, who's going to be right there? And who's going to be on his left? And, and the disciples, they start to argue with each other. They were so saturated in this idea of, of the world's understanding of greatness and power. They were so worried with climbing This ladder that they didn't realize they were standing in the very presence of a servant Christ. And Jesus washed their feet, partially to teach them what it was going to look like to be great in this kingdom that was going to come. And his heart was revealed through his actions. and one disciple at a time he knelt before them and he washed their feet and just like the people in our lives these were not all easy people to serve Jesus washed Judas's feet it's it's there in verse or in chapter 13 he would go on later to talk about how, how Judas, you know, wasn't, wasn't clean. and The rest of you are clean, you know, that kind of language. But, but don't skip over the part that he washed Judas' feet. Knowing that, that he was going to betray him. Knowing that it was already in his mind. When's the last time that, that we were humble enough to wash someone's feet who had or was going to betray us? What does it mean to follow that kind of Jesus? What does it mean to follow a Jesus that washed Thomas' feet? What's Thomas famous for? He's famous for his doubt. Thomas is famous for, for after the resurrection, he would struggle with doubt and he would struggle with unbelief. And when Jesus got to him, he didn't skip over Thomas. He washed his feet the same. And Jesus washed Peter's feet. Knowing full well that that in just simply hours, that Peter was going to deny him three times. He was going to refuse to even associate with him. But yet Jesus was in front of him and he washed his feet. This kneeling love This kneeling love also requires that we go love others. We are called to follow Jesus. We are called to live a life that that looks uh, a little bit like his life. There's something about how we live that it reflects Jesus. We're not... um, we're not him, but, but there's something about us. It's almost like we're a mirror and, and we're angled towards Jesus. So when other people look at how we're living, there's, there's something that reflects up and they see bits and pieces of who Jesus is. And it's not about climbing these rungs in the ladder, right? It's about this mindset or, or this posture, these, these actions that are Christ-like. There's, there's something about them that, that reminds us of Jesus, that reminds us of the servant Christ. In the church, we like to use this fancy word called sanctification. And, and that's what it is. It's a fancy church word, and it means that as uh, Christians, you know, we've, we've accepted Jesus, and as we continue to live life, that, that we're becoming transformed a little bit at a time, more and more, into the image of Jesus in the world. Again, that there's just something about that Christian that, that when the world sees it, when, when the people that are in that box, when they see it, that, that they don't look at you and say, oh, that person you know, thinks they're so holy. But they, they look at you and there's something about that. They actually see the real Jesus. And what would it look like if they looked at us and, and they saw the kneeling Jesus? The one who comes with this kneeling love for the world. It's about this, this transforming of our minds and, and the way that we treat other people and the way that we love other people so that we start living life a new way. We start living life this, this Jesus way in, in a world that is often hurting and is often in pain. Now, I know how it goes. It's, it's really tempting to think that we're blessed when, when we have things, or when things, when things come to us, that we think we're blessed when, when we get that bonus, or when we get that house that we've wanted, or that promotion, or, or we get uh, invited to attend the university we've been dreaming about, or, or we get that new toy, or, or that perfect retirement, or, or whatever that thing is. But what it looks like to follow Jesus is actually to kind of change that in our brains and realize we're actually blessed when we start blessing others. We're actually blessed when we start being a servant like Jesus. When we start living obediently to to who God has called us to be in God's strength and in His power and His love. The very end of this section of, of John chapter 13 Jesus, Jesus says something that he only says a few times in the Gospels. And that's he directly tells us to do something. There's other times where where he says things and, and it's important, but there's only a few times where he says, do this. like this, this is this is a key to life. this is a key to following me and Let's just, we'll start at at verse 12 here. I'll just read through the end of 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do also as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is any messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Not only does Jesus tell us what to do, he also gives us a promise of what life will be like if, if we live life that way, that we will be blessed if we do them. As, as I studied this text all week, this verse 16 really stood out to me. Very truly, I tell you, here's a little Bible study uh, Advice. When Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, read it like three or four times. All right, because he's about to say something really profound, really key to his message. And and that language is is used over and over again in the gospel. So so when you hear from Jesus, the beginning of verse 16, Very truly I tell you, then our ears should turn on. What is Jesus about to say? No servant is greater than his master. Nor is any messenger greater than the one who sent him. That doesn't just apply to the disciples. Right? If, if, if we are uh, following Jesus and he is our master, and if, and if he has this message of good news, and, and all we are in the world is, is messengers that are going out with the gospel and being able to tell other people, what Jesus has done, then we need to be able to humble ourselves too. It doesn't make any sense. Why would the messenger not be able to kneel and wash someone's feet if that's what the master does? Right? Why would the the follower, or why would the servant, not be able to kneel if, if the master is able to kneel? There's this quote that has just been bouncing around in my head all week. Um, and I tried looking it up. I, it's, it's kind of a mix of several quotes together. Um, but I think it's really important, and I'll end with this. It says, Most people need to know how much you care before they will ever consider caring about you, Jesus. So again, if the goal of this series is to share our story, then most people need to know how much you care. And you do care. You you wrote down their names. (laughs) I know you care. I know you've been praying for them. But they need to know. Most people need to know how much you truly care before they will care about this Jesus you follow.